I don't know that I've ever been kind of more nervous that first day, that first minute of podcast movement. It felt like we had invested so much and so much was on the line. And in hindsight, that was just the beginning. It was totally worth it. We learned in about two or three minutes that there was probably something here. And that's probably the greatest feeling that I've ever experienced. Podcast Junkies, episode 199. Welcome back. I'm your host on the road, Harry Duran. This is the show where I talk to folks in the podcasting space, podcast hosts primarily, and people that are doing amazing things in the podcasting world. This week is a very special episode. I'm speaking to the co-founders of Squadcast, a service you've heard me mention many times on this show, Zach and Rock. But before we jump into that, in case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with Dawn Davis. She's the host of Desert Lady Diaries. Conversations in person, I think all but one, are at the women's homes or at Dawn's home in the desert over by Joshua Tree, which is a fantastically beautiful area. I've been there myself. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, go ahead. It's episode 198. So this week, we speak to Zach and Rock, and I met them at Podcast Movement a couple of years ago now. As of this recording, we're on our way to uh, Podcast Movement in August of 2019. What was interesting is when I first met them and I saw the prototype of what they're working on, it was probably what they will call an alpha as opposed to a beta, but I saw the promise of a tool that would really make a change in the way podcasters record remote interviews, and so I immediately decided I wanted to help them as much as I could, and it was the start of a great relationship, which we get into in this uh, episode. We talk about uh, that first podcast movement, the relationship we've built since then, and, and how Squadcast has grown in terms of its features and how it's being used by the community and the results it's been having. Zach and Rock both talk about leaving a steady paycheck to work on Squadcast full-time and the importance of developing relationships in the podcasting community. We have a chat about how trust and complementary skills are key success factors for Squadcast and what they've got planned for the future. And obviously, this wouldn't be a Podcast Junkies episode without a chat about their new show, Between Two Mics. So this is a very uh, special episode for me because of the relationship I've built up with these guys, and um, I couldn't be prouder of what they've accomplished, and so I can't wait to share their story with you. The timing couldn't be better, as this is the week that version 2.0 of Squadcast is released as well, so that's fun. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite, specifically the Scarlet 2i2, the 3G version. As if their 2G versions weren't enough, the Focusrite team now gets even better. And it's safe to say that it boasts two of the best performing mic preamps the Scarlet range has ever seen. There's now an air button, which is super cool. It's going to give your mic a brighter and more open sound. And they've added a quick start tool to get you up and running super fast. The bundled software now includes Ableton Live Lite, Avid Pro Tools Creative Pack, SoftTube's Time and Tone Bundle, and that includes three world-class reverb, delay, and distortion plugins, all of it included. In other words, guys, the best just got better. You've heard me talk about this preamp, the Scarlett 2i2 Focusrite, which I raved about in the past, and they've just improved it. So it's my number one recommendation for when you're ready to move directly from plugging the mic directly into your laptop, and then want to add some control over the gain, and specifically the headphone monitoring as well, which is really important. So Scarlett 2i2, check it out. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But let's get into this great conversation with Zach and Rock. All right, Zach and Rock co-founders of Squadcast and podcast hosts of Between Two Mics. Uh, we finally got this interview on Podcast Junkies scheduled. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Harry. So uh, I was, as, as listeners of the show, you probably know I love uh, origin stories. So I, I don't know which one of you might want to, you might want to tag team on it, but you want to tell the story of how we met. Uh, this is probably going on it's going to be our two-year anniversary. Yeah, real soon. soon. <laughs> uh, we're we're grateful for you know podcast movement that first year uh, sponsoring. Got to meet lots of awesome folks in the community, and uh, I think none stood out more than uh, more than you, Harry. So that is uh, something that um, we'll always be grateful to the podcast uh, movement community for you know setting setting that up, and um, 
and it's just been you know awesome to work together with you and uh, and your customers and your friends and the community in general since uh, since podcast movement. So I think we we had a booth there and you stopped by uh, with uh, I think Doctor Doctor Colin Gray, and uh, that's been uh, been an ongoing conversation. No, Ryan no, was, Gray, uh, I said Colin. Oh, <laughs> different gray. Oh my God. And Colin's not a doctor. <laughs> I thought he just, I was like, doctor? is this something I didn't know? So, Dr. Audio. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Ryan Gray. And, uh, you know, it's been an ongoing conversation uh, since then. So, yeah, your fingerprints are all over the Squadcast, the uh, Squadcast experience thereafter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, Rock, what's your memory? Yeah, well, so pod, like Zach said, podcast movement was kind of the first time of, uh, for us as uh, a company, us as like entrepreneurs, us as individuals. We were very green into our entrepreneurial journey. We're in, you know green into the podcasting uh, community, so, but we knew we had to be a part of it. We knew we wanted to be a part of it. We had to almost see like, is Squadcast worth you know putting the next. 10 years of our life into, uh, of our lives into as, as, you know, companies, individuals and stuff. And so, um, going there, you know, we were very nervous, uh, you know, Squadcast was, looks nothing like what it looks like today. Um, and so, you know, to debut that, um, you know, there was a lot of anxiety and stuff that came with it, but, um, you know, right away we were greeted with, uh, open arms from the podcast community. And I think you opened them the widest and squeezed the tightest and kept bringing more people along. And so, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty cool, man. We just see this, this guy in a yellow shirt with tons of energy, just continuing to bring other people our way. And so we met a ton of people. We met a ton of people that way. Um, and you know, it, it, it worked out because our original intention was to go as regular attendees, uh, dip our toe in the pool, so to speak, kind of listen, learn, uh, but this way, uh, that way we would have never come back with the connections that we made and, and you being the, you know, hands down the biggest one. So it goes to show, like, put yourself out there. You never know what, what's going to happen. And so um, it's amazing to think, had we gone with that little dip your dip your toe in the pool approach, what would have happened, you know? So, you know, super grateful that now here we are on Podcast Junkies as, as a guest. So it's cool, man. So, Zach, talk a little bit about the idea and, and maybe just a quick overview. I mean, there will be folks, I know I've mentioned now a couple of times Squadcast on the show, but there may still be people who haven't heard of it. So I think now it would be the most appropriate episode to <laughs> talk a little bit about what your ideas were um, and how, you know, early days between you and Rock and how you started talking about this and seeing if there was something that yeah. Might so uh, Rock and I go way back. Uh, we're we're friends first and foremost from high school, and um, grew up you know together through that, and uh, just kind of had a lot of great conversations um, along the lines of the stuff that we're both into, right? Technology, um, some you know jujitsu stuff, and just been been good friends. Um, and then you know Rock introduced me to podcasts, and you know we both listened a lot and uh over the years and then you know fast forward maybe uh probably a little bit under a decade thereafter we've all finished kind of college and gone gone a little bit of our separate ways into the corporate world and uh and then i wanted to do another creative side project because i had come from art school and painting and lots of different stuff um and was uh, was wanting to kind of get out of that comfort zone and then um saw podcasts as an opportunity, podcasting as an opportunity to, to make something really cool and, um, and, and new. So kind of, uh, try to give the short version here. Um, my, uh, my brother Vince is an audio engineer. Um, I had written some stuff and was very interested in sci-fi and inspired by a lot of the early work within, um, the science fiction audio dramas. So shout out to, to the early pioneers there and, um, was very inspired by that and uh, and then also my good friend Harrison is uh, is a decorated playwright and stage actor. So I thought we had all the skills we needed to pull this off. Um, the caveat here was that we were a remote team, and to really collaborate with each other on high quality um, podcasts, we had a very high standard for that because Vince's background working in music and um, sound design and all of that, we wanted to to have a very high quality. 
And uh, we did our homework and listened to to the Harry Durans and Evo Terras and, um, you know, School of Podcasting with Dave and did all that homework and found the answer to be use Skype and some of the other some of the other kind of um, communication tools to record that conversation at the same time as having it. And um, we tried that and uh, just kind of weren't weren't very happy with the results um, of the, of the quality. You know, it's good advice. There wasn't really anything purpose built so uh, for podcasting. So we just kind of assumed that there would be and uh, just kept having that assumption and kind of running up against that wall of quality and uh, got kind of bummed out and then came uh, came around to the idea of, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. This isn't just a challenge. Like maybe there's a way we can help move the needle and solve it. Um, and why wouldn't this be possible with modern technology? So that's where it kind of shifted, uh, pivoted away from doing the podcast and moved towards um, creating a platform for podcasters to record high quality conversations from anywhere in the world. And uh, the early vision was originally that, solving that core problem. And uh, went off on some thought experiments, thought about cool stuff on top of that, came up with this big grand vision and then uh, executed on it for another couple months, met Harry Duran at Podcast Movement and uh, shot down a lot of those grand ideas and came back to the core of it, which is why we exist in the first place and what we think is our superpower. And that's helping people record remote conversations that sound like they're in the same room. So that's... uh, that's where we've come so far and been at it about three years and very grateful, you know, to be able to actually help solve a problem for lots of podcasters. So rock, what do you remember when you started having these early discussions with Zach about this idea that he had come up with? Yeah. So it was really awesome for me because, um, I've, this is not the first, uh, idea Zach's come to me about, um, but really it was more so just to get my opinion on it. Like Zach said, we had all gone our separate ways throughout college. And uh, my way was uh, through accounting. I was working for an accounting firm. Uh, been working there. I worked there for six years and about year three or four, I realized that I wanted something else and that this wasn't enough. And so I kind of was mentally and financially preparing myself to find some kind of entrepreneurial endeavor to, um, you know, make the jump towards, um, I, I just felt like that calling of like, there's, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something better, uh, not better, but just different. Uh, that's more of a aligned with what I want to, the lifestyle I want. So when Zach, um, approached me with this idea at first, it was kind of like, well, a science fiction podcast. I never heard of this before. That's, that's a real thing, you know? And so then learned about that stuff. Um, but then really when, when it came to the core issue of remote, uh, recording, podcasts remotely uh and all the issues and and really it just it, what it came down to for me was like it, it just wasn't it didn't sound like it was fun and when we tried to do it it wasn't fun and it's like this is all about having fun and you know getting your message out there and and you know inspiring other people and 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 telling good stories and stuff like that so for me as a fan of podcasting it was an easy he didn't have to sell me on uh, why, what, what's awesome about podcasting. I had already experienced it. I had already loved it. There'd been so many times when I've talked to other people, I've heard other people tell me that like, I should start a podcast, not necessarily me, but just them in general, or, or, you know, like, Oh, we should just start a podcast. This is a great conversation here. And so I feel like, you know, Squadcast is, is one step that makes that just much easier, much more doable. So, um, you know, in the early days we were trying to disprove this because it sounded like there's gotta be something, but I mean, even the the top podcasts, you can tell when they're recorded on Skype or Zoom. Uh, you know, even like Tim Ferriss, I've heard him and Kevin Rose jock- j- joking about how terrible their Skype conversation was, and I'm like, hey man, we can help you. <laughs> so you know, we're it's a it's a great industry to be in. I think one of the things that we didn't know about that it's that we got lucky on is just the type of individuals that we'd be serving in podcasting. Um, one of the things that Zach pointed out to me uh, a while ago was that most podcasters aren't cool because they podcast. They're cool because they bring some other unique special ability or experience to the table. And then they just use podcasting as the vehicle to to get it out there. And I, I just love that. I think that's really neat. And it's really helped us get exposed to just really unique people and uh, it's one of those things that we didn't know until we were actually in it. Um, but now that I'm in it, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. These people talk for a living. So, uh, like Zach always says, we just got to listen. But how long was the Squadcast live or in the wild? Oh man, it was, uh, barely, 
uh, <laughs> I would say maybe, maybe, uh, so my memory's a little bit foggy, but maybe a few weeks we were preparing to get kind of our, what we called at the time our beta, but it was really alpha. It was a, you know, MVP that looked really good because we had early roots in design and cared about that from the jump. So I think it, it looked really, really good and, uh, functionality was kind of there, but it was, uh, barely. So, you know, it was more so just to, to, like Rock said, we were trying to disprove ourselves and we had gone through this process of, okay, like we can validate it through thought experiments as much as we, we want to and can, but there's no substitute for what we now practice is the, you know, lean startup or design thinking approach to, to validating with the, the people who you're actually in service of. So none of us knew any podcasters. Like Rock said, we were green coming into the podcast community. So we got, we got very lucky at how open the community was to, to telling us that, yeah, this is an actual challenge that we face. We're not happy with the existing solution. We think it should be better. And uh, and we really, we just wanted to kind of get out of the way, listen, collect information on what people's ideal remote interview setup was, what the standards were for audio, and then meet cool people, um, and then just build whatever is useful to them. So that is, uh, turns out we had the same challenge that a lot of podcasters had, and we couldn't prove ourselves wrong. So we just kept working at it. And you guys were both at your nine to five jobs. Yes, sir. We are a we are a bootstrap startup. So uh, so Rock and I early on kind of made that made that call uh, to see how far that could take us um, and try to prove ourselves wrong on that. Right. Like uh, this should be you know, we should need venture money. We should need to go and raise because that's the startup thing to do. But like, let's let's see if we can make this work um, and juggle you know, all the things and try to be, try to be, uh, you know, keep, keep down the day jobs. And I'm, I'm super proud that, uh, we, we did that for around two years and we've been, uh, full time for about a year now coming around full circle. So rock, can you talk a little bit about the mindset about the fear of leaving like a, <laughs> a steady paycheck and having money magically appear in your your bank account every two weeks or you know, twice a month and then and then the time when you realize that that's not going to happen anymore <laughs> yeah well um that's the thing i did have a we both had really good jobs i mean shoot zach's getting offer letters from google every time whenever he checks his mail google's you know letting him you know so i mean that's what he's turning down to 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 be a part of squadcast and you know i definitely had uh a nice career with a, a cushy path and all that stuff, but it just, uh, it didn't align with, with my values. And, but it was difficult, man. Cause yeah, you, you, uh, are worried what other people are going to think, even though as much as you try not to, it's, it's, you know, it's always something that, you know, catches you at times when you're, you know, not at your strongest. And so that, and obviously having the, the, the paycheck on a, you know, recurring basis, that's a, a peace of mind that, um, you know, I do miss, <laughs> frankly, but I, it's it's part of the sacrifice. And uh, one of the books that uh, I read, um, it's called Simple Numbers by it's by a CPA named I think his name's Greg Hill. He basically says like something really incredible happens when a founder is li- you know forced to live on his savings. Like the 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 type of the decisions you make and the way you behave just becomes much different and. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I sure as hell hope so. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, I just think, I think the, the, the benefit that I have that Zach and I have is that we both, um, we have very different minds and very different experiences and stuff like that. But I really do believe our hearts in the same place and that we, we want to create something. We want to solve really cool. Pro- we we want to solve problems in a very cool way and serve those people and make them happy. And just, I mean, at the end of the day, we are people, people. And so that's what keeps me going is like you you realizing that I had acquired these talents in this cushy corporate job that I can apply to living my life the way that I want. That's more aligned with uh, the stuff that I want to live ultimately for me. um, Although my, my money, the amount of money I was making was checking the box. It just was out of alignment with all the other stuff I wanted to do. Um, you know, family, fitness, that's all stuff that's very important to me. And that job was always combating with that. And so, um, you know, I, I am, it felt good to reach a certain level in corporate America to know that I can make it if I need to, 
but um, I'm I'm pretty happy to to have put that behind me and and you know trying to do something for myself that um, is just I think it, it and also entrepreneurship just forces you to be a better human I think too it's like you 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 can't hide in this stuff you have to confront your problems and stuff and because if you do you're gonna lose. Uh, or if you don't, you're going to lose. So I just really like that. It, it's like the ultimate form of peer pressure to me uh, is having customers and partners and people relying on you. Uh, so the stakes are high, but I think that's what makes, you know, really people be their best. And I think that's what Zach and I are, are I remember, uh, rising to the occasion uh, I remember on. conversations pre-Squadcast where you and I were talking about along these lines, though, even, you know, back then where it's like, you know, we've, we've both experienced been very fortunate and worked our asses off to like get to this point and we're still relatively young so like kind of where do we where do we go from here like is this you know we do we just keep keep riding this wave until the picket fence and kids and then it's all about you know that next level uh or you know is there something else here and uh those were like yeah pre-genesis kind of questions and i I think it you know kind of came to life in squadcast and some of the other stuff that we're doing now Zach, can you talk a little about about a little bit about um, the ideas you had as we were putting Squadcast together, and then you know you guys made a, a conscious decision to invest in the conference because obviously that wasn't cheap, and especially for someone uh, a brand new company uh, that's still bootstrapping. How did you think it would be received? And you know, can you talk a little bit about how that changed over the next few months in terms of like? how the word was going to get out about what yeah i mean we had involved. some we had some initial kind of ideas um but there's no better sanity check than than you know standing in a booth with lots of people walking by um you know podcast movement is an awesome event they i think that year had around 2000 in attendee we were, we were lucky that it was in anaheim in our backyard that year and we could travel there on the cheap um so that helped for a little be a little bit more palatable and like Rock said, we were going to be attendees um, and just kind of like dabble with it. And we got some really great advice from one of my students at, at um, Cal Berkeley. He pretty much like would not let me, he would, you know, he he was pushing us to uh, to get the booth and sponsor and be part of the event and uh, kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful to Ega for, for pushing me because it really paid off. And I remember having that conversation with Rock and was just like, I, I think we got to do this. And he was just like, all right, then we got to do it. Uh, so I think we got the last booth that year, you know, podcast movement, they took a real chance on an unknown company with unknown founders, you know, uh, and, um, grateful for them, you know, for that. And, uh, I always thank Dan for that. Um, but when I see him in person, cause that, that was a, that was a risk, but it was, um, it was a, it, w- it was a pretty, uh, nail biter. Uh, I don't know that I've ever been kind of more nervous that first day, that first minute of podcast movement, it felt like we had invested so much and so much was on the line. And in hindsight, that was just the beginning, right? But it was totally worth it. We learned in about, you know, two or three minutes that there was probably something here. And there is, that's probably the greatest feeling um, that I've ever experienced. Uh, uh, other than like getting married and you know all that life uh life stuff but um as far as our company and like you know entrepreneurship and business growth it's just you're just staring into i know kind of all, i i i know that i'm probably just uh just i'm i'm a beginner here in the in the entrepreneurship game but there's this quote from Elon Musk where he's like you know uh being an entrepreneur a startup founder is like chewing glass and staring into the abyss and i think i i think uh, you know that moment that was just kind of going through my mind that quote was just like i'm literally staring into the abyss right now i don't know where the next step is gonna is gonna land or we're gonna fall flat and um we would have just stood there for three days i guess if we had fallen flat uh, got some you know got some gifts at you know disneyland or whatever and then turned around and went back home and back to square one um but that that did not happen so uh very very fortunate um for that opportunity to to really just keep showing up and working hard and uh that's where you know, uh, like I said, it was kind of pre-alpha then. So then, then the stakes got raised, and it was like, wow, now we actually have to build this thing, and it's going to be awesome. And like, we learned so much in like ten minutes that it was just the debrief conversations from that event were uh, were hours and hours of talking about what we had learned, and and then um, to work with you, you know, uh, ongoing since then has uh, has really just been fuel 
uh, ongoing fuel for that fire. Rock, can you talk a little bit about the importance of the podcast community itself? I don't know if you guys uh, knew that that was a thing and that was something you needed to take into account, but talk a little bit about your thoughts. Yeah. So early on, we kind of always wanted to be in, because we were outsiders of the community, we felt like we needed to become insiders or just talk to the insiders. And that's where reading books like uh, Four Steps to Epiphany or The Lean Startup really helped is like, it really pushed us to show that like, you can't do this, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come type of, of logic. It just, it doesn't work, you know? Um, and nor do we have the money to to go that route. <laughs> we kind of needed to figure if we're going to put our our hearts and dreams and, and futures and, and therefore some money behind this thing, we need to make sure it's, it's done in a, a strategic way. And so, um, it's really just came from reading a lot of books and blog posts about how, how to build a company and how to, you know, basically just listen to customers and immerse yourselves in there. And so what I did after, uh, I forget what book I was reading that where it hit me where it's like, Oh, there's this thing called meetup.com. We should, we should find podcasting groups there. And so we started going to the meetups in the Bay area. There's one in San Francisco. There's one in Oakland. Um, Ray Ortega has started one in our hometown of Sacramento. So that's cool. Um, so we're pretty involved in those and that's where we started to really get our first kind of, um, interactions with, with the podcast community, but very similar to what Zach said from, uh, our early, um, I guess he was kind of an advisor. Iga was like, look, if you have your customers and there's going to be, you know, a thousand of them or 2000 of them in one single place, you guys need to be there. And so I think one of the things that's cool is like, yes, lean startup is right. You want to, you want to talk to your customers. It's, it's very helpful to, to, you know, build with people, listen, but, uh, yeah, like, I think the part that's not often talked about is how nerve wracking it is and how, what are you going to do with that stuff later? Um, and so it's just, it's been, it's been great because it's like people, people tell you what they, what, what is it? It's like, we're, they, they tell us what they want and we build what they need type deal. So that's really just how we're, we're trying to do it is, is we had to become something that we weren't, and we can only do that by interacting and immersing ourselves with those that we're looking to serve. Books, you know, that's how we talk about it internally with the team, right? Is like this notion of just-in-time learning. Like we've, we've, none of us have ever started a company. None of us have ever built, um, you know, a, a SaaS platform. Like there has never been this type of solution for podcasters. So a lot of these are just kind of frontier-ish kind of things, but, uh, but people have gone before us and there are people who are smarter and it, that's been our journey along this thing, along this journey has, uh, has just been to, to learn from people who have been in situations similar to this. And that's what we try to do, uh, every opportunity. And that's a great point, Zach, because podcasting isn't new, you know, it's been, I mean, what, 2004, 2003. So there's been people that are, legit OGs in this and we would be foolish to not learn from them, you know? And so it's helpful to have those conversations. And that's why we're stoked that it's such an open community because, you know, I don't think every industry is like that. And you would know better than anyone, Harry, um, you know, as one of, you know, the, the leaders in this space, like we're fortunate that we chose that way, but it, I, I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you that was the plan from the jump. <laughs> yeah. I think what's interesting is that, uh, I found out after a couple of years in the community and I had the benefit of obviously choosing a, um, a theme and a topic for my show that actually put me in front of podcasters very quickly and got me engaged with the podcast community. But it was clear that it was, it was a community that supported each other. And you, you see that in the podcasting conferences. And then you also see that um, as we learn, you know, through these Facebook groups that we're all a part of, like who's bringing out new technology and, who's fly by night and who has the best interest of podcasters in mind. And I think that's some of the early discussions we had that, you know, people don't buy from a, a, a service or people from a brand name, they buy from other people and they have to trust other people. And, you know, everyone in the podcasting community likes to use the blab example because people were going crazy for blab for a minute. And it was like the next new thing. And then, and people were, all the podcasters were super hyped about it, but then they just, disappeared because they got bought out by um i forgot what company it was and then it was gone and, and we're like okay we're not gonna but the the, the the buzz in the forums was like well, okay that's not gonna happen to us again so 
you know, you probably guys experienced early on in the beginning, people were saying, who's Squadcast, who's Squadcast. And now, you know, now it's like, oh, it's, it's Zach and it's rock. And it's, you know, I think uh, that's an important aspect. And I think it's a lesson for anyone trying to build a tool for a specific community. Like the more you can get, uh, you know, get to the conferences like you guys did, um, shake the hands, spend a couple of late nights having a couple of drinks with folks and just kind of get to know people on a first name basis. And so that they know you, they put the faces to the name and then they want to support you, whether it's going to be Squadcast or maybe it'll be something else down the line. But then, you know, they're going to trust that you have the best interest of the podcast community at heart, that you're good people um, and that you, that you want to do good. And podcasts. that uh, that actually manifests itself, that same kind of like, uh, you know, lens to view this opportunity through manifests itself in how we approach support as well. Uh, we have the benefit of having. Um, a platform where we can talk to anybody in the world and they're trying to talk to other people, their guests and record these conversations. Um, but one thing we kind of learned through the process is that we can use that same channel of communication to help provide support on a, on a higher level than just chat or email or whatever. And we can actually help people uh, in, in the context of their recording. And, um, you know, that face to face, um, those relationships always, always stick. Anytime we get in a session with somebody, um, that, that always strengthens that, that relationship. And, um, that's what we're in this for. So we always learn something. We always walk away, um, having learned something and, uh, yeah, we try to do it in, in real life and, uh, and also in support and on our platform. So who's got the best version of the uh, story when you guys first met? Ooh, that is a good question. I I remember the first time we met Zach. Do you remember? I think I remember because I think you were like thirteen. I sure remember. To me, the the first time was actually probably the second, but um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so Zach and Vince, his his older brother, were I, I first met them at Natomas Racket Club. It's where uh, it's a gym in um. A neighborhood north of Sacramento, uh, where my mom used to work for, she was actually working there oh, till wow. yesterday. She just moved Renata. to San Diego. Um, so yeah, so she, <laughs> I'll let her know. Um, so yeah, so she, uh, so I got free membership. The family got free membership there. And, um, a buddy of mine who actually knew Vince, I didn't know Vince too well, but he's like, Oh, there, uh, there's Vince. And then he said hi to Vince. And then there was Zach hanging out with Vince. And so it was like, Oh, what's up? You know, Vince's little brother. And, and, uh, I forget what, what I think, I don't know. It was, it was funny seeing them together. Cause they, I mean, you've seen them, Harry, they, they're definitely brothers, right? <laughs> so just seeing like 13 and 15 year old them, it was just kind of like, I'm getting that memory back in my mind and just like, Oh shit, man, they're a lot's changed, but not, but it's still the same. It's kind of cool. Um, so I don't know if you remember me much, but that's the first time that we met, but we didn't really interact that much. Yeah, so when's so the first like forward, interaction, would you say that? When I started high school, which uh, we went to Christian Brothers High School in Sacramento, and um, and I was an incoming freshman, and Rock was like, you know, cool, older dude. But I knew a bunch of cool, older dudes because my brother uh, was a senior the year before I came in. So I had the benefit of, and he played football and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I, I had known a bunch of, uh, Vince's friends, um, but not, but not rock, not a lot of the CP people. So uh, I think it was like waiting for, waiting to get picked up after, after, uh, school one day. And I, um, I walked up to rock and I always remember he was wearing like these gloves, uh, like these, these like isotoner gloves and, um, nobody else, <laughs> OJ gloves, <laughs> nobody OJ else gloves? was wearing those, but like, I thought, <laughs> I get I said, cold uh, hands. I said, "What's up to Rock?" Thinking, oh, "Okay, yeah, we met at the gym or whatever." And I was like, "I'm Vince's little brother," and he was like, "I know who you are." But I always remember that because he never looked at me. He was just looking straight ahead, and it was <laughs> just <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, cool. See you later." Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs> Scram, and I was a. Uh... Well, and I, I was my a much hormones were getting person the best back then for sure. Uh, much more <laughs> to myself. Much more introverted. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you even probably responded or remembered who I was. So it was, uh, it was just, uh, we were cool from that point on. I think we saw much more of each other after that. Well, and you guys would always come, come over to my apartment when I was, uh, 
in college, like you and your brother would come over. And then when I moved to West Sac, Zach and Vince are from West Sacramento, which is like, it's, it's a, an actual separate city from Sacramento. So I moved over there and then that's when I think our, our relationship really, uh, started to flourish because, um, like they lived down the street. So it was the four of the three of us. And then, uh, another one of our friend, Eric, always doing something like not bad things, but like we would do like little projects together, like as a team, like we would go make, go to trips, like at the dump and dump shit. And it was like, I don't know. It was fun. That's that. That's, but it, it does mean something to, to squad cast though, because doing little stuff like that, or like, um, we just were always doing stuff together like that. And so, in some way I knew I could work with these guys and I knew I could trust them to like, uh, I could depend on them and trust that like we could execute on tasks. Um, and then also just knowing their family, the way that they, that I did, um, that they are extremely loyal and good people. And so, um, I mean, that's not, that's definitely someone I want to be in business with. You know, I know they say, beware of, dealing with family and, and mixing family and business together and stuff. But, um, you know, I was willing to, I'm, I'm okay with it because of how well I know their family and, and what, you know, what kind of people they are. So I think that's really where, um, the stickiness of, of squad cast comes from. And it seems like that relationship was really important to just lay the groundwork for the, um, the, the tough times that we're going to, to come right because once you start working together there's different sets of challenges um and you really have to know that you've got each other's back um and there's going to be some times where you have to trust that this is going to work out um and have a long-term vision and and believe that um you've got the right team in place and you and you both of your hearts are in the right place yeah man and it actually has you know continued to happen i mean you know we talk about how nervous and full of fear. Some of those early days have been, but now, you know, there's a different kind of pressure because we actually have something and, and are realizing that there's something here and we really, you know, we believe in it. We put it, we're putting everything on it. And so there's, and so there, there's a different kind of stress, stress and pressure, uh, that comes with that. And so it's definitely led to, um, conflicts. And I don't mean conflicts in any negative sense, because we've, we've always come out stronger and better, after them because it, it, you know, it really just comes down to communication. And, and, um, as long as we're communicating to each other, even if it's not pleasant things to say, one of the things, uh, you know, I had brought up something in a meeting, Zach didn't appreciate the way I brought it up or, or, you know, he was upset about it and he had every right to be, I was actually glad that he vocalized it to me because it's like, like we should be telling each other this stuff. And there is so much pressure. Like we should be frustrated, not angry, not full of rage, but definitely it's okay to be like frustrated and, and vocalize that. And, um, I mean, I, uh, I appreciate it because I feel like we're stronger because I mean, you're, we're, it's impossible for us not to, um, miscommunicate as long as our intentions are never, you know, negative or it, there's no ill will, which I, there never is. And I think that's one of the things that we, I, I try to vocalize to him is like saying, Hey dude, fuck all this bullshit. I love you. I still believe in you. That's never going away. Like at the end of the day, like I'm in business with you because I believe in you. I believe in us. And so, um, you know, and as long as I feel like we keep reiterating that along with all the other stuff that come about, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. And so we have kind of hit those bumps and stumbles a little bit, uh, which I'm proud to say we've come out stronger and better i mean anything that you want to add about it zach you know there's levels of sacrifice there's uh there's also different levels of seriousness and i think that that first um you know it's one thing to come and pitch somebody on an idea even if you're friends it's another thing to be like okay i'm taking this seriously i'm gonna sell my jeep i'm gonna change my lifestyle i'm going to work every minute that i can on this to even have the smallest chance of possibility of people maybe wanting this uh, at some point in the future and then actually following through on that. So I think that initial conversation that we had was not necessarily about a product or a market or business or margins or whatever. It was, it was about trust and um, and then also complementary skills. Um, You know, I, I um, people always say, you know, caution about hiring people that you know and family and stuff like that. 
Um, and those definitely are, are that's generally good advice, but uh, it doesn't really account for being surrounded by super talented, capable people um, that have complementary skills to you. So, um, you know, I, I don't I don't even know what it would be like to go and try to find a co-founder from zero, you know, starting from zero. I was lucky that I already knew in my head, like, OK, whatever the idea, Rock and I have complementary skills and I trust Rock and uh, he's super capable. And I think above all else, like the capacity to, to pick up and learn new things. We don't we don't know what we don't know. So um, being comfortable in that zone is not some something most people uh, are and uh, and rock definitely is and rises to those occasions and um, I strive for the same so I think starting from that core all the rest of it um, kind of falls in place. What's your biggest fear? Sir? Biggest fear? I probably would have used to say like success, but I think we're some some uh, some fashion past uh, way past that and that's exciting. So every day we're living in the twilight zone. So that doesn't scare me anymore. Uh, that's the that's the new normal, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but uh, I would say what scares me the most is uh, like business related, or just like life, or like whatever whatever comes to mind. Yeah, you're on the couch of Harry now, bro. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would don't say worry, I would next. say like. Um, like letting letting our team down, letting all the people who have supported us uh, along this journey, letting them down, like all of that being all of their sacrifice being in vain, um, that that weighs pretty heavy on me and is a great source of motivation because you know we've we've been able to uh, uphold that, so it's a it's a high bar, um, but it's uh, it's um, I would say like potential unexpressed maybe uh is a way to that i that i think about it like i'm always looking for ways to uh to get outside of my comfort zone and help uh fulfill potential that i didn't realize was there so one of these examples is rock is uh is a blue belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu i had always like uh like podcasting i had always kind of enjoyed watching or or listening in the case of podcasts but i had never really kind of thought okay i'm gonna get in the mix and and participate and be a creative in that and uh and now rock and i train brazilian jiu-jitsu together uh so you know that is potential that was there that i had no idea um was was there before so i think it's not just about me though i'm i'm you know fortunate to be in a leadership role so i'm i more so think about it as helping uh my team express their potential and our company express its potential and really um help podcasters and creatives in new ways so that's probably my biggest fear is not expressing that potential or empowering others to express theirs. Makes sense. Rock. Yeah, I like, I definitely like Zach's. Um, originally when I was listening to him think about his response, it was going to be very similar. Cause I think about that movie. Um, one of my favorite movies, the Bronx tale where the, the dad says the saddest thing in life is a waste of talent. So that's, very similar to what to what Zach said. So yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But I guess on a like on a more like you know not as grand, but still a fear nonetheless is like I don't want to go back to a corporate day job. Um, that is just definitely um, not scary. Like I said, I know I can do it, so that feels really good to know that like I can make it in that and be okay. But I really don't want to if I don't have to, and so. Um, so there's that fear. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm fortunate enough to be in this situation is cause I have a really strong support structure, uh, just like Zach does. But my girlfriend is really, um, the one that's like paying a lot of the bills so that, um, you know, I don't have to take a salary. I can live off savings for this time. So I really want to repay her back that, um, by basically giving her the same, uh, opportunity to have the space and time to really devote herself to something that she wants to do. Well, we did meet at the accounting firm, so she's still doing that and she's, she's great at it, but you know, it's a tough gig and I don't think it necessarily aligns with what she wants to do as, as well. So I want to, uh, give that back to her. So, um, yeah, those two are, are the two biggest fears I have right now is just, and it, and it, and it comes to the bigger, the bigger issue like Zach raised is like just this thing, not working that is freaking terrifying. We hear that what, I mean, 80%, 90%, whatever percent of startups or small businesses or whatever fail. And it's just like, you know, that why do, why, why do I think I fall in the, 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 um, 
the minority? What what makes Zach and I so special that we would be in that one percent of startups who not only make it but make a lot of money out of it? Like that's pretty audacious and to say, but I mean, no one's told us we can't do it, so we're just going to do it. <laughs> so shifting gears for a bit now, uh, as a result of um, you know having a tool that empowers podcasters to have amazing. Uh, audio and, and podcast experiences, it only made sense for you guys to dip your toes in the water and start your own show, which is Between Two Mics. So can you talk a little bit about um, the impetus for getting that started and, and you know some of the lessons you've learned now that you've actually had to put yourself in, this, in the seat of being a host and kind of seeing what we've been going through and, and why we felt that this was, you know, a service like this was needed. It's awesome uh, to, to sum it up. And we knew pretty early on that we wanted to you know, we had come into podcasting because of wanting to to create a show and uh, and then found this challenge and an opportunity to help um, improve it. Um, so to come back full circle was always going to be something special for us. Um, but also with the benefit of now being engaged in the community, having a bunch of connections and, um, you know, having helped before we ever recorded an episode for our podcast, there were hundreds of episodes that we helped other podcasters um, create. So we learned a lot of just listening of through their workflow. Uh, we we had the benefit of um, knowing a lot of people who are you know in the education side of podcasting, so we could ask a lot of very specific questions and a lot of time to kind of think about how we would approach this to do it the right way. And um, that became Between Two Mics. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. And it is it is like podcast junkies. It is for podcasters, uh, kind of by podcasters, but through the lens of who is really pushing the limits of what's possible in this emerging medium. So, um, so there's, you know, people tend to think about uh, if you define a, a podcast, you know, maybe an interview between two or maybe a couple people um, with like an intro and an outro and maybe some ad copy thrown in there. That is awesome. Um, and a lot of podcasts uh, fall into that category. But we tend to want to focus on the people who are helping push against the edges of that box and um, and audio dramas fall in that category. Um, some of the technology uh, like Squadcast, but others in the space that are innovating um, to, to uh, you know, constantly be redefining and helping uh, both podcasts um, be, you know, easier, but but also better. And, uh, and really from a content perspective, as well as a tooling perspective, a community perspective. Um, and because we waited about two years to do that, we had built up this uh, running list of people who had said yes to being on this show. And, um, you know, it was always kind of a, a bummer to, to not have a podcast in that in between time of that two years. But I am grateful that we waited because I think it, it's, it really paid off and was great, you know, audience to launch with. And that patience really kind of came came to our benefit. And uh, we've had great guests um, on the show. So it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and is, uh, is always kind of awesome to see on my calendar, like, okay, cool, we got an episode scheduled for today. It's, uh, it's, it's all been fun. And Rock, how's that helped you grow as a, as a host now? Yeah, so I, th- one of the things I, I think that um, the best hosts always do is they they do their prep work. They research a lot. They do a lot of planning. There's a lot of stuff communicated before you actually hit that record button. Um, and that's definitely something that I'm, I'm always, I, I like to prepare cause then I can feel more confident and, and calm. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to always put in that extra effort. Um, but it's inspiring to see other greats like you, Jordan Harbinger, who you can tell really put in that extra time and effort because it, it really, Eric Hunley is another great example um, and so, yeah, preparation planning is, is, is important. Um, I think one of the things we learned is like coming with that preparation and planning, you can over-prepare and over-plan. And I, I think I was doing that at first for us where it's very structured and didn't, it didn't have a, it, it, I mean, it did free flow. Cause I think we realized F the script, let's just do, let's just riff. This is way better. But then there's also, you can be, uh, too unregimented too. Uh, and, and so it's kind of finding that, that, that space of like, okay, we want there to be this, uh, th- this fun free flowiness to it, but we also need to, what's the story here? What's the theme here and being intentional about trying to make sure that we get it. 
So I think that's been um, something that I've learned a lot about because um, my instinct was to just put the spotlight on the guests, which, you know, you're always, um, you know, you've been really good about hammering that in our heads, Harry, of like, you know, putting the spotlight on people. Everybody likes, you know, the spotlight on them, their face, all that stuff. But like, we, I guess I expected that that's what we do and it's going to be great, you know, but it's like, no, you got to intentionally seek out what's the prop, what's the story here, what's going to make them shine the brightest. And, um, and so, you know, we're still learning it, man. You know, it hasn't even been, it's been, it's coming close to a year, but, uh, it's stuff that, yeah, you don't, we don't think about it. And it, I think a lot of people think, okay, we're going to get some mics and then we'll just hit record. And then it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And, um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to have a really badass bunch of interviews to start off with. Um, and so maybe we got lucky in that regard that these people were already, uh, you know, really good at telling their story and stuff like that. But, um, it's certainly, you know, something that I'm learning as I go, which is kind of just the podcaster way. Right. So a couple of questions as we wrap up now, and you guys can take your turns on them. Number one is what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, I'll take this one unless you got you ready, Rock. All right. So uh, universal basic income is something that's always been a little bit interesting to me. And um, but it always had some kind of holes in it for me. Like the logic just didn't seem to make sense. Like you couldn't really get around the fact that people don't necessarily like getting free money. I mean, they, they everybody does, but it's just kind of like people value work and contributing and being part of something bigger. So it always seemed to have kind of a big hole in that game. And, uh, and I've, I've since kind of come up with a few ideas that uh, have helped me change my mind on it through looking at it through another angle um, where it's a long uh, story, but we would essentially, we could essentially like have a a market for our data and then sell our data rather than, um, and then, you know, set a price on that rather than just be getting money kind of as a, an ongoing basis. So there'd actually be some kind of like work that's tied to the finances rather than just kind of arbitrary. So that is, um, you know, coming from a background in government, I think about some interesting, interesting stuff along those lines. But um, that's, that's one thing not related to podcasting necessarily. Although Andrew Yang on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, gave a fascinating lap around what's possible with universal basic income. So uh, that's kind of the, the genesis for me. Rock. So I think mine is um, related to the venture capital uh, VC game. So, you know, because we're a startup, um, you know, I definitely, one of the things that we researched a lot is how to get funding, your startup funded, uh, what it's like to interact and engage with venture capitalists and stuff like that. And so recently, uh, not that we are actively raising money, but I I just want to we're just getting ourselves in those circles a little bit more, just like we immersed ourselves in the podcast community. We're doing more work in the venture capital investor startup community. Um, and so uh, as a bootstrap startup, we, you know, we're very proud of, of bootstrap for, for a lot of reasons. Um, and, you know, along the way I, I teeter tottered on my feelings about VC and venture capital. And um, I think it was, much more pessimistic and and negative. And I recently I'm coming around to it being, you know, they're realizing that there is a time and a place that venture capital is a very niche, niche product and it's not for everyone. It's not for every situation, but I do think that there is a lot of, a lot more good that comes from venture capital than I realized at first. And what got me thinking about it was like, you know, like artists back in the day, they would pitch to, to Monarch saying like, Hey, you know, I want to do this art. Can you fund me? And so, you know, that's how all this art got created. And I think, um, and this is kind of painting VC with, uh, you know, a, with looking at it with rose colored glasses, but it's like, in its truest sense, they really are fielding, uh, investing and funding the companies that are going to, you know, make this world a better place. Um, so I do think there that is a, a valuable position. And I do think that it's not this negative dark thing that I, I, uh, I, I once thought maybe like a year ago. Interesting. Uh, Still proud as a bootstrapper though. <laughs> uh, something you, uh, Oh, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? Um, the most misunderstood thing about me is probably that, um, I don't, I don't like being defined by any of the skills that I have. Um, so, you know, um, 
there've been some eras that I've gone through and folks like rock who, you know, have been part of my story for, for a while have probably seen a couple of these eras, uh, come and go. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like being defined as like, Oh, Zach, he's a, he's a software engineer or, um, or, you know, a teacher or an author or a podcaster or a painter or whatever. Um, I, I'm constantly going to try to break out of that. So it's like, Oh no, I'm a white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, <laughs> like, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter necessarily, uh, what's, what's come in the past. I don't ever like to kind of rest on those laurels. I'm always looking for, uh, for something else to start at zero from and work my way up. And, the uh, the startup game is uh, is a fascinating uh, kind of arena for that because you are constantly being humbled, you are constantly starting from scratch, and as a bootstrapper, you know it comes with this added set of uh, of challenges, uh, added set of opportunities. I would also add there. So um, there's just uh, different ways that we can you know approach uh, and have strategy in this, and we've been um, you know we've been we've chosen kind of our strategy as the bootstrap route, but there's a lot of great knowledge. Uh, in the folks uh, who are now um, investing in the next generation of founders. And that's where I love to learn from. Um, so I agree with Rock coming kind of around full circle uh, to, to the venture capital world. There are certain startups or, or ideas that just are not possible. They need this tremendous R&D runway um, or stuff like that. But we have the benefit of being in, you know, kind of uh, consumer SaaS kind of uh, area. And and also podcasting is is a uh, interviews are kind of a regimented ongoing thing because you always want, you know, fresh content. So, uh, so, you know, we're, we're in a good place, uh, with that and have a lot of great ideas for how to keep it going into the future and keep, uh, keep empowering the, you know, collaborative creative workflow. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's how I think about it. It's exciting rock. Mis- mis- most misunderstood thing about you. I'm trying to think of it, Harry. It's hard for me to 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 nail it because, like, I'm con- we're constantly around people that um, I don't necessarily know, or I, so I'm, I, it's hard for me to know what their opinions are about me, um, or even friends that you've had in the past, and if they've said something or they've kind of thought about you one way and discovered something else. I've had people say that I'm, um, they think that I'm, I'm cocky, uh, which I don't think so at all. Uh, I just feel like I'm, I really enjoy my life and being me. So I'm always smiling about that and, and, and a generally happy person. But, you know, I definitely have had, you know, enough hardships to, um, to keep me humble, I think, because anytime I get out of being humble, the, the, the world always knocks me down. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to just, anytime I feel that cockiness creep up, it's just like, Oh, c- calm down. Some, you know, let's keep it chill. Cause something's going to knock you on your ass before. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just, as, as long as people know me as someone who's going to do the right thing, whether it's, you know, the, the, the thing that's best for me or not, that's, that's all I care about really is just being a person that does the right thing. And so, um, if, if you, I don't know, <laughs> if you don't feel that way. Let me know. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good way to wrap up this, uh, deep dive into all things podcast. I think this is, this one was definitely a long time coming and, uh, I'm glad we are finally able to make it work and to let the listeners know long time podcast junkies fans know what it is that we, that I keep talking about this Squadcast platform. Who are these? Who's Zach? Who's Rock? And I think, as we've always talked about from I think from day one, like people want to know who you are, and you, you're doing it by attending the conferences. You're doing it with your podcast, and now you, you know just pulling back the curtain even a little bit more. Um, this episode I think is going to go a long way toward building those long term relationships and people just connecting with you on a, on a real level, on a person to person level. So. Um, I'm glad uh, you guys shared your story and, and we're, we're open to being a little bit. Thank older. you, Harry. And, and thank you for, for, you know, helping us treat uh, everyone's guests like gold, right? That's always what, uh, what, what your uh, message, you know, stands out to me. And uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we've been able to translate some of those approaches into the experience in Squadcast. It wouldn't be the same without you. Appreciate that. So where's the we do we have a code we can get for for folks yeah we to got get signed PJ fans uh, uh, type that in when you're uh, when you're signing up and that'll get you half off of your first month um, we're also switching uh, or sorry adding an additional pricing option um, 
for uh for hourly pricing so that's that's a new thing and we uh we're recording this on squadcast v2 today uh exciting exciting stuff there and that will be uh that'll be out in the wild on july 22nd so uh so keep your eyes out for that and uh, if you record remote podcast interviews we're happy to help you uh record those in the highest quality possible so that's squadcast.fm. I took a screenshot of it too, so I can give people a sneak peek on uh, on Twitter. And obviously, that's I'm sure that's in the oh, roadmap yeah. somewhere. We talked about that, like <laughs> that one button push away. That's something I'm still looking for. So don't forget about that one, guys. Um, what about on the socials? <laughs> yeah, at Where are squadcast you FM, pretty much everywhere. And uh, and then yeah, my email is zach at squadcast.fm. We we love to jump into sessions with people. If you catch me on social. Um, I'll jump into a session and we'll, uh, we'll record some samples and check it out firsthand um, with your setup. So that is uh, that's one of the cool things about the platform is we can uh, we can connect with people and uh, you know get get some uh, get some it's going kind of beyond a demo right. You're experiencing it firsthand. So we love we love those opportunities. All right, thanks again, guys. Have a fantastic day. So thanks again to Rock and Zach for sharing their story, for coming on the show, for helping me roll into episode 200, just what I would call the end of season two. I literally make these things up as I go along. So season one was 100 episodes. So it just makes sense that season two is another 100 episodes. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the new 3G Scarlet 2i2. Look for me at Podcast Movement coming up in August in Orlando. Uh, I should be wearing the bright yellow Podcast Junkies t-shirt. Tune in next week for my amazing number 200 episode conversation with none other than Chase Reeves, he of guest number one and guest number 100 fame. And as usual... It's a rip-roaring conversation with no boundaries, which is uh, which are some of my favorite kinds. Thanks for everything you do. Hope you have a fantastic week.